right so a community in our angle is a microcosm of an economy in itself which means mm -hmm. that the supply side of the skills which is what we are trying to uh, create right like growth professionals right so yeah. that skill is what we are uh, espousing and the demand side we act like a talent agent for the skill that we are creating right so mm -hmm. essentially if you look at an economy that has a supply of labor and the demand side is the market which takes care of movement of labor uh, so a community that's like you know put together at a very minute scale um, becomes a community essentially, right? Uh, so how do we go about creating these skills? So we do you know like podcast sessions like this where we bring in people from the industry uh, and from academia because like researchers and they they typically work on the cutting edge stuff, right? Like uh, yeah. one person that we are talking to is now thinking about neuromarketing. Okay, so like basically doing an fMRI scan when you're like showing ads to a person. Okay, like things are at that level, at least on the research front, right? Yeah. Um, so academics and practitioners who come and share their knowledge with us, that's one stream of learning for us. And the other thing, of course, is like we have a newsletter and we want the newsletter to be of high quality. So what we do is we take in research papers and we try to apply it in the brands that we're trying to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where the next side comes in because, like, once you understand the theory part, you have to execute it to, you know, make sure this learning is completed. Right. So, yeah. in execution part, what we are now doing is um, we took like uh, fifteen apprentices, and then we have like uh, six brands. So these apprentices are put into teams of three, and they are working on growing each of these brands. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of like an underlying framework behind it, which is called the growth engine framework. So we kind of follow that and uh, it's been 40 days. So before you popped in, like we were just doing a review of, you know, how these brands are growing, what was the baseline. So we started like 40 days back with this entire team that's over here. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so basically we were just talking about that. Um, so these are two sides. Right? So we learn through uh, experts uh, sitting and listening. We learn through research papers and we learn through uh, practicing it. Yeah. Which is uh, like literally writing ad copies and then putting it, promoting it, and then you measure it and then you optimize it, you know, the whole cycle. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what we are trying to do. Um, any thoughts, questions till now? No, sounds exciting. I mean, uh... Uh, yeah, I wish I had a community like this uh, when I was just starting out in my career. It would be, it would have been really great. But I just think that it's uh, now because we're all so very well connected. Uh, you know, say ten years back, the only sort of marketing community you had is what you built in the school or right. what you learned from reading other blogs, mm -hmm. uh, right? And now there's just so much more, and it's changing so quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. The more you know. Uh, the more you learn and, and technology is just making things change that much faster, right? So, uh, you know, the more case studies that you keep reading and the more that you keep learning about what brands are doing, I think that just adds to the things that um, you can sort of uh, work on when you have the opportunity to. Okay, so just, uh, you know, in the interest of everyone to know who we are talking to. So this is the fourth episode of Marabout Growth's uh, podcast. So we have uh, Purva with us. So Puva is a marketer, so this is in her words, uh, so marketer with a diverse experience across advertising, consumer durables, and media. The range best summarized as toys to tech. Passionate about the intersection of technology, consumer, and brand. 
presently at Google managing large streaming players initiatives, hmm, should we guess, for digital branding and scale customer acquisition. Previously led subscription marketing for Heartstar's international business. Oh, I can see it. Uh, also built iconic kids brands, uh, Hot Wheels, Uno, and Barbie in India through strategic marketing at Matizaj. Wow. When not spending time with my family and pets, I climb mountains for fun. Oh, man. We have a community called Stop Being Boring. The moment I read this, I feel like I'm the most boring person here. Huh. Okay. All right. This is uh, pretty impressive. Um, I know you can't say the brand's name, but of course, everyone knows what we're talking about here, uh, which we'll come to. Okay. So now tell us, uh, Pua, uh, about... Um, your childhood and then like um, college and essentially marketing. Sure. Yeah. I, um, so I had an interesting childhood because um, I moved schools every, uh, every year almost. I think I've changed about 11 schools in 12 years. Uh, my dad was in the army, so we moved around quite a bit. Okay. And uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I can't really pinpoint when it is that I started uh, being interested in brands, but I do uh, recall that I have a very keen memory for every ad I'd ever seen. And yeah. this is before I knew that branding is a thing or, or marketing is a thing, right? This is when, whatever you're, you're 15, 16, and the only opportunities in front of you in terms of career were uh, engineers, doctors, I don't know, <laughs> pilots, etc. And I was on, on my way to become a pilot because my father's a pilot and I thought that that's what that's the uh, road, that's the way to go. Uh, but then uh, we moved to Bombay and I moved to Bombay for my studies after my dad was uh, sort of leaving the army. Uh, and Bombay is a, is a completely new, uh, entirely different space, right? Uh, that's when you, that's when I went to college, that's when I got interested in uh, mass media and communication as a subject. Uh, that's where I built my own contacts and it's not, and that's what they say, right? Like, um, I did not have any, any contacts in Bombay for advertising mm. or, or marketing, but I made those sort of connections and I landed an internship at Ogilvy and Mesa, okay. uh, like way back. And, uh, then my first job was in fact with them. So I started off with O&M, uh, when I was barely like 19 or 20 okay. and I was with them for a year. Uh, and then I made, decided that, okay, you know, advertising is, is what I thought I would do. Uh, and then I figured that advertising essentially is uh, just communication, right? It's just mm -hmm. one part of, of a much larger piece that branding entirely is. Right. And I was very keen on the business metric side of things. Okay. And which is why I made the switch to marketing. And uh, when I went to Mattel, um, I understood that your you know, when you manage a brand, you you sort of you sort of are an entrepreneur in in an in a larger company. Right. You own the PNL, you own the direction, you own the the strategy that you're going to be driving for that particular brand. You own everything that happens around it, and that sort of at a young age gives you a lot of um, onus. It gives you a lot of ownership. It also puts you under a lot of stress because uh, there are a lot of questions to be asked. You're always being scrutinized. Each of your campaign is always being uh, questioned and scrutinized, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody in their dog has an opinion about the kind of creative or campaign that you've put out. So right. that's, uh, that's the beauty and uh, terror of being in marketing. Uh, that's, uh, that usually happens. Uh, but yeah, it's been a really interesting space to be in. And uh, that's where I was. And then while I was, uh, so Mattel is a fairly 
established company and the brands are pretty well known. So the only kind of changes that you could make were in the business and, and the business was impacted very uh, significantly by, uh, by the initiatives that I led. Uh, and at that point, I felt that, um, you know, I see a lot more happening outside. Just like, you know, when I was in advertising, I felt this FOMO saying that, okay, you know, brands are really growing very, very quickly. There's a lot happening outside and all we're doing is, is putting out TV campaigns and creatives and writing scripts and putting out artwork. That's the same kind of FOMO that I had when I was in Mattel when I said that, okay, you know, um, tech is completely changing the world. Tech is changing the way we communicate. And um, I don't know if I can really, um, you know, uh, if I if I see myself having a job in 10 years, if I continue doing what I'm doing. So that's when I made the switch to Hotstar. Okay. And Hotstar, I think uh, as a business, uh, like a, a D2C business, a direct-to-consumer business really changes your worldview. Right. Because uh, nowhere else do you get uh, direct consumer feedback the way you do in a DTC business. And you have a daily, uh, I mean, when, I, when a traditional business you put out and there's a lot that you can influence between your, um, you know, your business metrics, between your consumers and, uh, and yourself. You have, um, you have multiple channels. You can run distributor discounts. You can run, you know, X, Y, and Z to make sure that you're still delivering on your numbers. Uh, but in a direct-to-consumer business, uh, it's the consumer at the other other end that you are uh, that who's finally purchasing your product, and uh, whatever you put out in front of them is being accepted or rejected right in front of you. So that's real-time feedback, mm. and that's a great space to be in. Uh, it's also a very stressful space to be in, so which is why it's uh, so fast-paced. And um, yeah, so that was a great experience. I was in Hotstar where we had one of the biggest years. Uh, in 2019, which was IPL and the ICC World Cup, right. those were the, the biggest consumer moments that were uh, that you know that had to happen in one year. So I think the kind of learning that I had and probably the entire team had in uh, the kind of strategies we took, the approaches we took, the kind of communication we put out, we could really tell whether it worked or not, whether it was working or not. And in most cases, with the any with any subscription business. Um, you know, you you uh, because there's a daily target or there's a daily sub number that you need to achieve. Mm. Um, you sort of know, uh, you sort of know that if you uh, you know you change this creative and put out this, you know that you've made an impact, and that kind of feedback is priceless. Mm. So yes, yeah, so that's been my journey, and since then um, I joined Google earlier this year, and now I'm on the other side, where <laughs> I tell people how to uh, how to sort of uh, run campaigns and run creatives and this is a much larger space mm. because i see players across industries mm. uh, across businesses um, who are doing exactly what i was trying to do at hotstar or in Mattel, right like get more consumers get more consumers at scale uh, get more consumers to buy your product mm. and um and because google innovates quite a bit they do so much in terms of um, you know um, best practices that do so much data crunching around creative. It's just a very interesting space to be in. Mm. Okay. Uh, at a larger scale, do you think uh, people's reliance on uh, Google is coming down? Uh, in what way? In what way? Okay. Uh, one, um, you know, most people have started searching for answers directly on Quora, for example. Okay. Um, then if I'm starting to search over there, then my search volume on Google reduces, right? 
the second thing is there are these uh, closed uh, communities that are being formed, closed uh, internet, so to speak, right? Like you have your, on one spectrum, you have the whole decentralized hippie uh, crypto uh, enthusiasts who are, you know, uh, uh, go, going in that direction. That's one side. And the other side is this uh, small private communities which are essentially creating their own knowledge graphs, mm-hmm. right? So if I would rather trust the knowledge graph that my community is creating rather than, you know, some algorithm that's going to show me, you know, results on top page. Like, do you see something like that happening or it's the other um, way? It's not happened at a scale yet where it's impacting uh, businesses. Uh, because at the end of the day, they're all uh, 1 billion consumer platforms, right? There are right. 1 users on a regular basis. Right. Uh, so I, I don't think, uh, of course, there are niche communities and uh, there will be competition at any given point in time. Mm. Uh, but um, as so far, there hasn't been an impact, at least on search. Mm. And it's not search. I mean, there's YouTube. There are others. There are many other platforms within right. which sort of serve as a gateway to reach consumers, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, in that sense, maybe uh, when you say it, if a consumer's dependence on search has reduced, right. we haven't seen that yet. Right. Right. I mean, there's also this influx of new people getting on the internet, so yes. you yeah. that impact right away. Mm. Right. Okay, great. Now, um, can you tell us this, because you talked about mis- your interest in business metrics and how it was more like a daily number thing, so which could be stressful, but at the same time, I don't know, makes you think creatively. Uh, so can you tell us the process of, you know, creating an ad copy and then uh, how does it flow from the copywriter to the designer to the uh, editorial team then to the distribution team? Can you tell us the process? Yeah, sure. So um, it uh, so for digital businesses or for smaller businesses, I mean, there isn't really, um, you have you have a, a marketing or a brand manager which who's, Sort of controlling the brand who lays out the broad strategy or the brief okay and the brief essentially entails uh, uh two two or three things uh what is it that you're communicating uh, who are you communicating to and why are you communicating and then of course what is the action that you want the consumer to take right so there's right. like a broad five uh five w's and five uh one h, one h. there's also when and where as to like which platform which media because your medium mm-hmm. At the end of the day, most of the times is the message. Right. But those things and uh, who the consumer is is pretty much defined and influenced by the research that you've done. Okay. Of course, you have a product that's been built in mind considering an unmet consumer need. Right. So that's where you are with the product. Right. But if there's a particular uh, hook or a cell that you have created, basis uh, insights that have come up, a qualitative insights that have come up uh, via research, that's when you, uh, that's what you pick up. So, um, and there are multiple, so it's, for example, it's, it's the IPL, you're selling the IPL at the end of the day, mm. but uh, for us, it was about, uh, there were other ways to watch the IPL, right. there were features within the app that could enable you to watch with your friends. So that's mm. the feature and that's the differentiator, right? right. Between watching an IPL on a, on a larger screen versus why would you watch it on So, uh, those are the, you know, few things. So you pick that hook and you pick the the uh, you know what what you think will work for the consumer you test it of course to see to uh, to check if that's uh, what the consumer is really looking for mm. and that's the brief that you give your creative agency right and then your creative agency comes up with a creative rendition of that mm. 
Right. And that will be, that's something that is, of course, if you have the time uh, for uh, traditional businesses, of course, they'll test it out. There is, um, you know, uh, you will do copy tests. You will do, um, if you go ahead and shoot the film, uh, you will do a link test or you will uh, check how, you know, at what points are the consumers responding. In digital businesses, it's it's pretty uh, simple. I mean, you'll, you'll test it out, but you, you'll do like an A-B test. You'll have two or three different versions of the creative that you've made and you'll put all of them out and the two or three different creatives could um, you know could be similar from a content or a subject matter perspective but the call to actions might be different okay. the opening sequences might be different hmm. uh, because they say on on digital or on video this is specific to video that uh, you need to uh, you need to land your message within the first five seconds right and your brand within the first right. five seconds because that's the attention span of the also time. i can skip ads after that yes correct. and even if you run non-skippables i mean that's on youtube but on other platforms i mean right. facebook uh, facebook has a completely different it really then again your medium really matters right, okay. right. uh so okay. while you can run longer uh, duration ads on youtube uh, you can on Facebook as well, but they recommend that uh, the consumption is on the move and on the go. You're sort of skimming through while you're walking and it's, while it's a lean back environment. So you need to make sure that your ads are no longer than 15 seconds because that's the ideal. So, I mean, how do you tell your story and how do you crunch your message in those, um, you know, in, in those things? So that's, so those are some of the things. And then, um, yeah, your creative, your A-B test finally decides how consumers are responding to it. And uh, that's your video. And then, which is your brand message that's put out. And then your performance creatives, again, have the same sort of, uh, your performance creatives or your remarketing creatives that you do. Right. Which essentially reach consumers who've seen uh, your ad with different types of copy. And there are multiple ways to do it. Uh, on um, you know on, on Google or on YouTube, you can actually figure out what kind of personality the consumer uh, fits in. Mm. So what kind of what kind of digital persona this person has, right? right? Is it someone who's interested in luxury travel? Is it somebody who's interested in outdoor travel? Right. Those are kind of uh, insights that you have around the the users that you're reaching. So mm. there are multiple ways of doing it, and your retargeting can be that much sharper. To say that, okay, you watched an ad that I put out uh, mm. saying that, you know, here, this is IPL and it's, it's great because you can watch it with your uh, friends. And if you want to customize it for someone who's looking for travel, you can sort of customize the message to say, uh, hey, you know, just like you enjoy traveling with your friends, why don't you watch IPL with your friends as well? It's mm. just a bad example, but <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the, the creative agency does the heavy lifting in, in the copywriting Right, right. Okay, cool. Uh, so you talked a little bit about qualitative research, right? Um, so this is like your typical like uh, focus group kind of a thing you're talking about? Yeah, so there are different ways to do it. I mean, of course, you have your brand track. Uh, a brand track uh, essentially is uh, um, it's led by Nielsen or, or by other, uh, you know, strong players. And they run a brand track for you, which essentially is a panel of, uh, of consumers who tell you um, on, on different, and there are different parameters um, and different questionnaires that, that tell you that, okay, you know, um, what do I think of this ad? What, mm. what do I think of this brand? Uh, how have I heard about it? What is my purchase intent towards it? Will mm. I buy it? What does it need for me to even consider it in my purchase basket? Things like that. So that's your uh, essentially uh, a report that you, uh, you know, that you 
keep getting every six weeks to make sure that your brand is uh, on track, like right. literally on brand track. Brand track. And quality, yeah, and your qualitative research is um, is dependent on on your campaign, right? So you will put out your uh, your copies and your tests and everything, mm. and then you will run it with the focus groups. Okay. And the focus groups could be geographically. I mean, depending on your sample size. We've done focus groups where we picked up uh, mothers in, say, six or seven cities, and we've shown them, say, five different ads from different toys, and said that, okay, you know, which one of these uh, uh, are the ones that you would consider? Which of these are the ones that you remember? Uh, and within that, we've shown them, um, you know, like a new ad that we're going to put up. Okay. And, yeah. So things like that. We've, I mean, I've tested uh, a creative, uh, you know, concept with kids as well, and it was hilarious because uh, we I, I think for Hot Wheels we were trying to do something I think the theme was that um, you know uh, while uh, you um, while you love playing with cars I think what boys enjoy more or kids enjoy more is crashing the cars and that was the creative uh, direction of the park and uh, the different uh, scenarios that we've created around it is that you can innovate around it you know we were trying to look for I think the the key business objective was to find more uh, ways to play with hot wheels rather than just you know uh, apart from the track set or, or how do you play uh, how do you use the track sets more mm. and the different themes that we created were that okay you know you could um, uh, you could create your own sort of experiment you could crash it into things because that's what kids enjoy doing and that came up from research as well like the, the mothers complain all the time that the boys just keep crashing the cars and so we tested this concept with uh, kids where uh, the car is crashing into an egg the car is crashing into a you know a bunch of blocks etc and the, I think two or three of the kids I think it was like a 20 uh, uh, 20 kid panel and they said oh but I can't do this because I don't I, I'm not allowed to eat eggs so <laughs> I mean that's I mean, that's enough to sort of tell you that, okay, you know, uh, those are also things that uh, that kids consider or that the consumer might think of. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're going to see it as a message for them. Like, do I identify with, with this message or is it something that, um, you know, I, I do I see myself doing this? Mm. Or do I see myself using the product the way it's intended? It's, it's kind of like that... Uh the Martin coil where the tongue comes out and it like licks the mosquito away, you know, like when you were kids, like that was the thing. And then like, my dad bought this and I'm like, dad, like it's broken. It's not jumping, you know, it's not like going and catching the mosquito. Huh. Yeah, exactly. So that, <laughs> I, I think uh, that was, uh, uh, that was a nice way to break clutter. That was right. a nice way to, to make sure that people remember Martin. And it, it also helps them sort of non-commoditize something that is, I mean, it's just a mosquito coil, right? They gave them the mosquito coil of personality, which I thought was due credit to them for doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, okay, so um, in uh, in your entire career till now, are you proud of like the ads that you have created? Like, and if you had to pick one, what would that be? Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, when I was in Ogilvy, we worked on uh, quite a few things uh, for, um, I worked on Cadbury Dairy Milk. Mm -hmm. um, actually, yeah, I'm not very proud of those ads that we did with Amitabh Bachchan, they're very forgettable. Uh, but I'll tell you about the last ad that I did before I left Mattel. And it was a very small-ish ad. Uh, that insight was based around, um, I, I think it came up because 
uh, we were um, so Barbie is a controversial product for a brand, right? Because they think that it. I mean, it's very loved and very hated as well. Like uh-huh. it sits somewhere in the middle, and because it has all these things about okay, body image issues, etc., etc. Right, right, right. Yeah, and and you know there are multiple ways to look at it, but the approach that the brand was taking on at a global stage. Uh, and you might have seen uh, the campaign that they did, which was called um, "You Can Be Anything." So you can mm-hmm. be anything is the or imagine the possibilities. I'm forgetting what it's called. Uh-huh. Uh, which is that it uh, that a toy essentially allows a child to imagine, mm. right? And um, uh, so and that's what Barbie allowed children to be or girls to imagine what they could be in the future. Mm-hmm. And we also knew that parents or mothers. Specifically, uh, sort of live vicariously through their daughters or through their children. So, with those two insights, we ran this sort of engagement campaign with mothers, where we said that um, you know, uh, if you have a dream or if your daughter has a dream, we can make it come true, or we can let her live her dream for a day, right? And so, mothers wrote to us on um, on Facebook. I think we ran it on two, three different platforms, and they wrote to us saying that okay, my daughter wants to be a gymnast. She wants to be a comedian. Wants to be a, a chef, mm. and we picked three winners, and we uh, we set them up so uh, you know the girl who wanted to be a gymnast, we got like um, you know a Commonwealth gymnast to train her for a day. We had there was a girl who wanted to be a comedian. We got Uru Jashpak to sort of you know sort of just uh, jive with her for uh, for a day again, and those moments were then shot and then put out because uh, at the end of the day it was all about. Uh, you can live your dream and you imagine uh, right. things, right? And it was just a more positive spin on a brand that's uh, perceived to be shallow and um, you know brainless or or whatever Barbie's considered to be. Uh, and it was uh, and and the core thought behind it that we which we try to push into the community is um, you know like let kids be and do what they want. Uh, because it's it's not I think it's it's your um, you know sort of um, preconceived notion that you're trying to impose upon them. Mm. So that was I think that uh, is my favorite campaign. There are a couple that I did for Hot Wheels as well, but they were smaller. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is the one that I cherish. Lovely. So uh, and so you you keep talking about these insights, right? Like so, for example, during Hot Wheels, you talked about you know why do kids like to why do boys like to play with cars because they want to crash it. Right, like that's an insight. And the second thing is now you said like this. You're just like giving out in like one sentence, but I'm like sure like a lot of uh, time has gone into coming out with that, right? And second thing right now you just said was uh, most of the time moms like try to live vicariously through their kids, like through their uh, and their Barbie dolls. So what was the one insight that was most surprising to you? Hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything that took us by shock or or surprise in any of the insights, but you know some of these um, some of these things are, are really hard to get to in in a particular conversation. Mm. So um, there hasn't been something that has been uh, earth shattering that's been revealed uh, in uh, you know okay. Okay. In, uh, in any of our researches. Uh, it's pretty much you you sort of have an idea, but uh, the point is that when you hear it from the consumer, mm. you sort of help to articulate it. Um, you're, you're able to articulate it better creatively in conversation. Right. Right. So it's all about what the consumer can tell you that can help you personalize the message better to the user. Mm. 
right. this is not i mean this wasn't a shocking insight but i'll tell you because we did this study for uh, for cartoon characters and um i was managing a brand called thomas and friends which is uh, a thomas a tank engine it's it's uh, you know it's a it's a toddler brand that we were using okay. that we were uh, researching and uh, we and this was about preschoolers right so and we asked mothers that they would let their child watch chota bheem mm. uh, but not why thomas a tank engine because that also teaches values etc etc and uh, there i think they came back to say that um, they came back to say that nahi chota bheem se seekh milti hai or so and that that's what they said they they thought that they that the kids learn uh, mm. good things by watching chota bheem and that's when we knew that if we have to sort of sell thomas in india it has to be about the values that he brings to the table not about the entertainment factor uh, but like, but, but your target is the kids right like and kids don't want to learn it's the parents who want them to learn right but the parent is the gatekeeper right so mm. for a toddler for like a 3 year old uh, and 3 to 5 year olds don't even have that amount of pester power that uh, 7 to 8 year olds have Right. So with with Hot Wheels and a Barbie, we we had uh, I mean we had two sets of campaigns to say okay. one was uh, you know my budget okay. was split into half one was shopper directed and one was uh, for the pester power pieces which is activations and engagements that we would do to make sure that the kids knew what was new on the brand or or in the toy space and then mm-hmm. there was one which was um, you know on the more like like the Barbie campaign that I spoke about was targeted at mothers I mean right. Right. I don't know if the girls cared about uh, you know. living their dreams but uh, because the girls loved uh, barbie uh, right. but it was mothers who were sort of blocking the purchase mm. yeah 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 that's true <laughs> um okay so now um how do you think like this uh, ad copies have uh, evolved uh, from the offline space into the digital world so with offline i mean uh, your media is very limited right like you have mm. print ad maybe you have um you know some amount of television right and you have outdoor so you have one key message and then you put that out in, in three different places uh mm. with digital i mean your it um it's more democratic so you don't necessarily always need uh ad copies or ad copies in the true sense which is written word Mm. because uh, you go uh, you go beyond the written word to uh, i mean voice video and vernacular is like the you know is is what is defining the indian audience right mm. uh, more and more people are coming online and more and more people are have the capability of be, of becoming a, a consumer because they are accessible by uh, video they right. don't necessarily need to be literate right and, and tv sort of solved that for for a certain extent mm-hmm. so uh, it comes down to you know how you can um, sort of break it down uh, also there are multiple other avenues on how to build a brand mm. right which is not which is so i'll give you an example um brands like um, love planet and beauty which is a unilever brand has mm. pretty much built or uh, has been built on e-commerce right so over there the e-commerce copy is what has got the consumer's attention right, right? that's what has built it um, you know that's what has enabled it to become like a 100 crore brand within say a one or two years right. same is uh, the case with mama earth so mama earth again is a niche brand but they grew to a 100 crore brand because they built their brand on social or right. they didn't really go the tv route they used digital right. uh, they they focused on uh, the thing that they knew that uh, parents or mothers were worried about the mm. fact that you know baby products have parabens baby products are harmful 
uh, Johnson's baby has been, you know, uh, you know, is, is uh, constantly under fire for some of the other products in their, uh, some of the other chemicals in their products. And they made it very clear, those are the things that they called out when they, when they went, um, when they went to digital, right? So that's a different format. Search copies is another thing. Mm. When you write for search, uh, then again, you're customizing to each and every query that right. the consumer might be putting out. Right. And that to me is uh, a lot deeper than, you know, just like a singular brand copy that you put out. Right? Mm -hmm. And yep. while it is important, your, your fundamentals of communication, of course, remain constant. You need right. to spell out your value proposition for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you need to engage, you need to attract. Those are fundamentals that don't change uh, between mediums. Uh, but it's just that your your scope becomes a lot wider when you go beyond your traditional to uh, digital media. Hmm. And your feedback is, of course, much faster. Much faster, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, with search copies, I mean, you know if people are clicking and <laughs> buying your product or, or not. It's the same with uh, Facebook. I mean, uh, it, it, it also depends on the consumer's mindset, right? Like, he's coming to search to seek assistance. Hmm. He's on Facebook uh, to be engaged and entertained. Mm. He's on uh, an Amazon because he wants to buy. I, so yeah. clearly, your ad copy or your communication has to be has to serve the uh, you know the right. purpose that the consumer is there for. Right, right. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so uh, because like you're a, a brought up in a military family, like do you read a lot? Yeah, quite a bit. Okay. It's, but it's mostly, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think I stopped reading fiction a while back. Ah, but, oh, that uh, was my thing. Okay. My, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what kind of fiction books uh, do you read? Uh, yeah, so I, I think I wrote that in my form as well. Uh, I read Sapiens uh, like a year or two ago, and then I sort of reread it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I think it's sort of changed my perspective of how I think about the world. I read Outliers when I was really young. I, I think I was still in college. And uh, that, I mean, at that time, it was very inspirational because I said, okay, you know, this mm -hmm. is how successful people build their lives. And, uh, you know, if I put in these many hours every day doing what I do best, then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll be the next teacher. Yeah, it, it's a little harder to put in practice for sure. But I think yeah. it was like a <laughs> Great overall. That's true. That's yeah. True. Why? Why the connect with the military family though? No, because like typically uh, people with that background they read a lot and uh, we spend most of our time outdoors. Outdoors. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, you can read outdoors as well. I mean, right. Um. So, so for someone, let's say you know, let's bring it back to the current scenario that we are in. Right. Like buying behavior has gone down. Right, and if you are an MSME, and uh, let's say you are already on the digital space, okay. Now, yeah. if, uh, if you haven't been there, then it obviously makes sense to okay. Now let's go digital, yada yada yada. But let's say you are already there, but then your products have lost sheen, or like uh, probably people look at your product as a want and not as a need, you know. So they are like delaying the purchase. So for someone like that, uh, like what are two three things that they can do digitally? to, I don't know, bring back the confidence in the customer to come back and buy their product? So, um, I mean, so MSME is a broad term. It really comes down to what the product is, what, you know, I mean, if it's a commodity, if it's if it's uh, very yeah. round-to-mill, 
and I'm, I'm coming back to you know smaller brands who built themselves. I mean, right. but the guys who did receive funding, so of course money is important for everything. But um, so Epigamia is uh, is a great example, you know. Right. So Epigamia like is is a dairy product. There was Amul. They had to compete with uh, everybody. Right. But they found their niche. They found their niche as a protein snack, and they differentiated themselves uh, from a dahi that uh, Amul and whoever else was selling, right? And then once they did that, uh, there are so many avenues now uh, that you can build your brand in. Raw pastry is another. So yeah. I think it's about finding that niche, uh, which makes and maybe it's a small set of consumers who value you and need you rather than just want you. Uh, that I think that's where it begins. It, it all comes down to the product at the end of the day because consumers are way smarter, right? And uh, no amount of marketing is going to make them buy a terrible product. So mm-hmm. it just comes down to the fundamental fundamentals of marketing. That is your product meeting an unmet need. Right. right. Is it solving a consumer problem that they have, or they don't even know that they have? Mm. So that those are a couple of things that uh, are to be uh, watched out for. I know it sounds very, you know. Uh, broad. I mean, it's a broad question again. Yeah. You know, like, if you if you throw money at things, of course the problem goes away. But in in uh, in uh, opportunities in cases where you don't have the money, these mm. kind of fundamentals uh, definitely uh, stick with you. Uh, you know. Um, to as you grow faster, and there are multiple brands who are doing it right now. I mean, Purple is a great example. So Nike is great; it's received all the funding in in life. Yeah. But but Purple has really built a base of mass consumers. Really? Uh, so I think it's about finding that niche, uh, acquiring a small set of consumers and keeping them with you, and then right. you, that word of mouth sort of catches up. Hmm. That's true. Can you remember? Um, At least one ad that uh, you saw, and you're like, man, like, wish I had written that. Oh yeah, I think uh, uh, in recent times, I think uh, a print ad really uh, was. Uh, I was really impressed by a print ad, which was uh, done by Lifeboy. So when COVID really hit the country, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, uh-huh. but they put out a sort of PSA to say that uh, you know. covid is here it's uh, it's dangerous and please make sure that you wash your hands and wash your hands with life boy i mean you don't necessarily need to wash your hands with life boy you can use dead all you can use etc etc i mean they they named all the brands available all their comp- uh, all their competitors mm. that was something uh, that struck out i mean i still remember it like six months down the line right yeah because uh, i think that was impressive just the speed at which they executed it right And in terms of a brand that I would have loved to write, uh, I think all the Nike ads. I think okay. they're just so, right. they're just so bold, and they do. And typically, you you know what you say is uh, they break all the rules. Uh, right. In in creative, they say that like stock footage doesn't always work. Mm. They recently did an ad where they only use stock footage, and they just made it so beautiful. Mm. So I think they turn the the um, you know all the limits of creativity on their head. Mm. Uh, and that's just top talent for me they they take controversial issues and and they make them uh, really it, it gives you something to think about so this uh, so when you are talking about the nike ad uh, you uh, use the term bold uh, so now the question here is uh, have you written something really bold like at the beginning of your career and then like uh, people ask you to like hey that's like too outlandish we can't do this we have to stick to our brand guidelines like have you ever faced that 
I don't think uh, I've I've played pretty safe. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I've, I think I've worked on like family. Ah, right. okay. it's, it's uh, and that that's the uh, that's the other thing, right? I don't think that every brand should be controversial and bold. Right. I don't think that they should be controversial just for the sake of being controversial, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, there are multiple opportunities. There are multiple events that happen. Uh, it's it's becoming fashionable to take a social stance. But I think you should know the limits of your own brand and of your own category, because nobody really cares uh, if I don't know uh, a toothpaste brand is uh, you know taking a stance on uh, Black Lives Movement. I mean it's okay. It it you right. know it, it doesn't it it should it should fit the fitment is important. If it's incongruous, uh, it's going to stand out for the consumer. It's definitely going to uh, you know face a backlash. So. Right. Well, but I mean. Uh... So let's let's take this Barbie thing only, right? Like so now people hate it, love it, and then like now you came out with a very positive thing. But there's also the other spectrum where you could have gone the other way and said, I don't know if that happened. Okay, anyway, I'm gonna put it out there, which is like, hey, you know, this is who I am. Like I am like this. I take care of my body. Like fuck your fatties, right? Like that's that's one way to. <laughs> Right. Uh, of course, like uh, no brand is gonna accept that. But like, what like will it even be part of the discussion when you're sitting and uh, talking about ideas? Yeah, I think um, I don't know. Probably yes. Probably yes. But it's it's just about you know uh, what is it that you want to drive? What your uh, eventual like? How do you want the consumer to feel at mm. the end of the day? Uh, and uh, you know a lot of i think uh, abercrombie and fitch uh, did this i mean they took a very bold stance where they said that our products are meant for a certain body type right, right? and that body type was skinny and not uh, you know uh, plus size and that was i mean they took that stance and they faced the heat for it and uh, did it work for them i don't think it did you know i don't think that, that yeah, yeah. group of skinny people uh, you know like wanted to buy Abercrombie more because they felt it was for them. Uh, it it just comes down to your uh, brand at the end of the day. If you're promoting a wholesome brand, uh, you have to be inclusive. You have to be. Um, I mean, I don't. That's what I'm saying. You can't be abrasive for the sake of it. You can't right, be comfortable right. for the sake yeah. of it. If yeah, if it fits within your realm of things. So when uh, when Nike took in uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick, when you know for the Black Lives uh, right after the Black Lives Movement uh, protest that they did, uh, that was very controversial. Mm. But it worked for them. It uh, and it it fit very well with the brand, and they were right. conscious of that. Of course, they faced outrage over that as well from a certain section of society. But they did not care for that section of society. They were making that step change, uh, you know, for. Uh, where they saw that uh, the the overall sentiment uh, was going, and that's what uh, that's the stance that they took. Mm. I also really like what you said about how at the end of the day it really uh, comes down to how you want your consumer to feel. Yeah, I mean the consumer central to everything, and uh, I mean customer obsessed businesses are the ones that do the best, right? Like if at the end of the day, uh, like uh, everything that you do, every single um, you know, step that you put in in marketing and product uh, has to result in some positive influence in in the consumer's life. That's the only way you grow business, and and that's becoming very very clear because I spoke about instant feedback, right? Yes. Like they vote with their dollars, not the way they vote with their money. Uh, well, so now this uh, just one question, but this was a great uh, thing we could have ended on this, but I really want to ask this. Um, 
So there's likewise thing when they use the competitor brands and said, you know, just wash your hands. It doesn't have to be ours. Now I see this happening with like Netflix, uh, you know, using Hotstar and Tinder. So this uh, brand communications online has improved a lot, right? Like instead of being a competitive thing, it's more like a playful uh, tit for tat kind of thing is happening. What, what do you see that as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this banter is um, so it, it's a great engagement tool. I right. think it started off uh, very organically on social media. I think because it happened internationally with like. Wendy's. Uh, yeah, Wendy's and some biscuit partner, some biscuit brand and, you know, a couple of others. Uh, it Like, they like sort of came together to set up a tea party. Right. And that was, it, it's just that it, it engaged, um, engage, I mean, it increased engagement amongst the consumers. And it was just a nice, healthy, wholesome thing to see. So it's just a more, uh, you know, wholesome approach to things. Of course, you can uh, sort of, uh, you know, you can be sassy on the internet and uh, and those are the kind of uh, steps that you take depending on what your brand stands for. So mm-hmm. Hotstar is edgy. I mean, they think of themselves as edgy, so which is why they would put out more instigating sort of, you know, messaging. I mean, it's, it's playful, but it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, it stings a bit. Mm-hmm. That, that's the kind of message that they would put out. But in Netflix is very wholesome. Like they are not uh, uh, in in their social media and their social communication everywhere that you see. They're very happy to sort of engage with an Amazon Prime and say, mm. "Hello, please tell us when Mirzapur Two is going to be launched." Mm. And uh, and an Amazon Two will come back saying, "You know, uh, you know." I mean, those are the kind of things that they do. With um, I think it just comes down to what kind of a brand you are, mm. uh, and it's sort of become a gimmick now because I've seen it in marketing. Yeah. So yeah. within, say, like, uh, you know, within, like, say, companies, if there are different brands, they will sort of free, uh, sort of decide, okay, who's going to tweet what and what the response is going yeah. to be. <laughs> it is, a lot of it is sort of forced now, but it's all right. It's it's all great uh, in terms of works for engagement. So. Right. Okay, so uh, one final question. Okay, that's it. And then, like, uh, we'll open it up. Okay, so this is about... Um, uh, this is something that I've been thinking about uh, quite a lot uh, in the last few months, which is about, you know, personal branding or the brand brand, right? Like you look at uh, people like Elon Musk or like Naval Ravikant, you know, these guys are trying to build personal brand. Whether they like it or not, it has happened like that, right? And now though you see a lot more uh, Silicon Valley founders who are like trying to create cult, you know, either around their brand or around themselves, okay? And that's that's being followed as a strategy, right? Like, uh, cult as a marketing strategy, okay, like creating a cult of uh, people around your brand, right? Uh, yeah. When you see this uh, trend growing, and like when brands become more human-like, right? Like that's what we just talked about in the last sentence. So where is this uh, going? So um, since you mentioned cult, uh, I, I mean I can think of the bike, the biking brands because they created this community or this cult of. of uh, Sorry. Uh-huh, the the bike right? community, yeah. I mean, uh, so there are. I think they are, they are the ones who started it because they wanted to make it exclusive and they wanted to make it. You know, it's it's the opposite of being all inclusive and and being saying that this brand is for everyone hmm. or, or we are for everyone. It's it's the complete opposite of that, and it works in 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 certain cases. Um, I know when you're talking about um, te- uh, you know, the head of tech companies sort of branding themselves, and and I'm assuming you're talking about Elon Musk and they they add to the value of the entire brand right so mm. someone wants 
someone wants an edgy um, you know really really dangerous sort of a brand i mean those are the ones that they will gravitate to i don't see it happening entirely in consumer brands though i don't uh, you know like there are people who will sort of uh, you know disassociate themselves at least ceos who will disassociate themselves from brand right. because they believe that their brand is bigger than them correct i think those are the brands that will survive i don't think that building brands on a single person's personality unless it's kentucky fried chicken really works uh, i mean that that's the kind of mascot you build right I I don't uh, I mean I I don't know if it will work for consumer brands honestly. Right, right, right. Because uh, right. yeah, I mean, how many fans can one individual have? Yes. Like you have some tech bros who'll be really, really, you know, uh, who'll be really great fans of Elon Musk. But beyond that, I mean, it really if you want to open up uh, your market to um, other users or more users, uh, then um, it, it's sort of restricting. Mm. If you have uh, you know Tesla associated only with Elon Musk and nothing. Okay, I see a little bit of selfishness there, but it's okay. I mean, <laughs> we want brands to exist, right? <laughs> um, um, so this is a personal question. So okay, this is about your um, I climb mountains for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's it's uh, it's this thing I uh, do like every. I'm I'm not. Um, I need a goal to work towards. Otherwise, okay. I'll, I'll pretty much not move. Uh, I I have a pretty healthy healthy metabolism. Otherwise, you know the the amount that I move with it's uh, like I I hate exercising. I hate working out. So it's this personal goal that I started to set for myself to say that I will do one high altitude climb every two or three years. Okay. And started it off with my friend when we did Everest Base Camp because a high altitude climb is something that requires training. Mm. And you know. For a fact that if you don't train, um, you know, for months, uh, you're gonna have a very hard time when you are doing the actual climb. So it it keeps you it keeps you it keeps you grounded. It gives you a goal, something to work work towards, and it gives you sort of that mental strength also that you build uh, towards. So I did Everest Base Camp. I think uh, two years ago I did uh, uh, I climbed Kilimanjaro, and the next one, uh, which was the highest peak in Russia that we were going to do, Mount Elbrus, was supposed to be this year, which is now being pushed to next year. Uh, so I don't climb mountains like every year. I do treks and everything in, uh, you know, in the middle. But uh, I, uh, it's just a nice way for me to have a have a goal to be motivated towards, and I think it does a lot more for my mental fitness than, um, you know, uh, uh, in addition to my physical fitness. All right, lovely. Thanks a lot uh, for inspiring us. um both on professional and personal side at least i was okay so guys um do you guys have any questions um we have been writing ad copies the last two weeks at least uh, if you guys have any questions ha huh. unmute yourself or you can put it in the ha huh, chat also okay uh okay yeah i have a question hi mm-hmm. purva this giridho here and thanks a lot for uh, you know sharing your insights um so one thing that really caught my attention is when you said uh, voice video and vernacular mm-hmm. so there's a lot of population that is increasing in the tier 2 tier 3 places right and uh, with respect to the digital strategies how uh, how differently are you targeting with respect to you know approaching the consumers or targeting the consumers in these markets or are there any other innovative tools or innovative strategies that you're uh, kind of implementing to target these consumers uh for the last 10 years or 15 years there's there's already a lot of ad copies that are going on 
on the on the television side but on the digital side is something new right yeah i would like to get some kind of insights on that sure so uh, i mean uh, like i said like digital is is a completely democratic platform right you can reach whoever you want whenever you want uh, at at a, at a moment in time when they're looking for um, a product or or they're interested in in receiving your ad so if your if your question is are you targeting the metro audience differently and the tier 2 audience differently that is a possibility i don't see brands doing it yet um uh, you know and i keep going back to ipo sorry because it's top of mind for me so they don't have a different set of communication uh, when they reach a metro audience versus um, uh, you know because the the copy or or the communication or the ad that they're putting out is pretty much rooted in uh, human uh, spirit it, it it does not necessarily mean anything different to someone who's living in um, allahabad versus uh, someone who's living in a mumbai so uh, communication wise something's changing uh, what might what is changing is uh, the different ad formats so when i say vernacular you do you are going more local you are uh, you're making sure that you're not putting out an english ad uh, in in tamil nadu you're you're making sure that you are running vernacular search copy uh, if you are running uh, performance campaigns if you're running uh, app campaigns all of those have the capability to be customized in uh, multiple languages so that you know that you're communicating in in a language that the, that the user is willing to receive so those are the kind of strategies uh, and that's very easy to do on digital you can definitely sort of you know break it down and uh, identify you can even identify for a subscription client you can even identify where are my subscribers actually sitting like which market which city is giving me most reach uh, or or most uh, conversions and you can go heavy on them you can go specific on them uh there are platforms uh like the google marketing platform where you can uh, do moment marketing and mm-hmm. so if you want if it's raining in a particular city you can say okay it's raining watch the ipl i mean just uh, you know uh, just a bad example but uh, like how can you make your message more contextual to the user in, in their current uh, frame of mind is is something that's completely possible on digital right now okay I'm, i mean i'm just like curious why why aren't the brands innovating with respect to you know kind of targeting or sending out different communications uh, to the rural segment and the urban segment i mean just so like having thought about it i'm sure like the big brands were thought about that right no it uh, it really depends on so of course there are there is a rural campaign so um you know so there are campaigns that are run specifically for rural audiences so uh, they they will do i'm i'm talking about one one singular campaign that targets both metros and rural you don't necessarily make two different types of creatives but there are there might be different uh, objectives so for example a, a platform wants to get more uh, rural audiences or to uh, you know um, you know to log on a certain uh, platform or a certain ott they can completely run a um, a different communication or a differentiated communication for them Yeah. I have another question. I'm good. Uh, but before that, Anvesh had asked a question. I think uh-huh. that I also want to know. So Google uh, neighborhood. Okay. You remember that app? Uh, I don't. Know. Yeah, I'm sorry. You don't know? No. It must be in the Google graveyard. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. You know, what was the strategy to take it to community? What are the learnings of the app's failure to get active users? I'm sorry I don't know what this product is or was. <laughs> okay okay. So basically it's like hyper local. Okay so if I'm in uh, Kormanga in Bangalore then Google neighborhood is about just Kormanga you know. Okay. 
I can say like, what's the best place to go and eat? And then, so they rolled it out as a separate app. I liked it, but then... Uh, yeah, there are multiple ones that they've experimented with. Uh, a newer one is something called Google Spot. Spot. Uh, yeah, so which is, uh, I mean, they debuted it in, um, you know, in the Google for India last year, where they said that um, essentially every uh, retailer can become an e-commerce retailer. Like your neighborhood Kirana Dukan can become an e-commerce retailer because he can upload uh, pretty much everything that's there in a shop. And right. you can select whatever you want and go and pick it up at, at a time convenient to you. Mm. That uh, That's what was demoed. I don't know where it's at in terms of the rollout and uh, all of that. But uh, yeah, thanks for this. I did not know about it. Maybe it was like a geo, like a phase roller that was done. Right. I, I think they kind of got into jobs now. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot yeah. right. so is, is part of that. So jobs, etc., is also part of that. I mean, there are there, yeah. It, it's um at the end of it, it's it's about how can you get more and more, like how can you solve more use cases or how can you solve more consumer problems so that you get more consumers. Uh, I, I see you being very, <laughs> you know, you you don't believe me at all. No, no, no. I mean, it does, like, definitely. But, like, why everyone on Google? That was the thing. Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not a way, man. Mm. Uh, until people realize data ownership. Okay. Cool. Moving on. Uh, Girida, the question about Hotstar, or anyone else have uh, other questions? So, basically, my question is, uh, since Hotstar is already, uh, you know, it was already prominent over here, um, what are the different strategies that they were implementing to penetrate the rural mass again? That is a tier two, tier yeah. three segment. And since the internet, even the internet or TV penetration has been a little hampered that side, what is it that they are kind of, uh, what are the strategies that they are using? That's so, um, here's the thing about um, AWARD businesses, right? Like, or, or Hotstar. I, I mean, are you talking about what they're doing right now to penetrate further into rural markets? Yes. Yeah. Last two years, two, three years. Uh, so it, it all comes down to what kind of content they had. And the kind of content they had was IPL, which is pretty much like the uh, what unites all of India, right? And so for that, they had specific campaigns. And like you said, they, they'd broken their, uh, you know, advertising and their segments down by, by geographies that they wanted to get more users from. So it, it was all about, uh, so this was last year. This was last year when they wanted to get all these users onto uh, Hotstar to watch the IPL. Mm. Other thing that they did, honestly, uh, for, uh, and that's the easier, I mean, easier or tougher piece is a geo partnership. Because geo, uh, because that's like the, you know, that's, uh, that's like the hallmark of, of internet for um, like all Indians. Or, or the newer set of Indians who are coming on to um, uh, onto the right. so that partnership opened up a lot of doors for them. That in, that's a short answer for what you're trying to say. Okay. And most probably it will be on the mobile platforms itself. As in like yeah. One of those. yeah, but that was uh, last year. It's not going to be the same this year because uh, you uh, that's no longer the strategy. So it's not about getting people to watch the IPL for free. Or watch even last year. I think it was about ten minutes free, and then you had to sort of refresh the browser and watch it again and again. All of IPL is behind the paywall uh, this year because it's about getting people finally after uh, you know <laughs> growing this consumer base on um, uh, consumer base on sort of uh, like free content. It's uh, time to monetize it, and that's what most businesses will. That's the route that most businesses will go to. Like the freebies aren't going to last forever. Because your tech costs are a real thing, right? Your mm. costs are a real thing. 
and uh, if once uh, businesses start focusing on profitability uh, you will realize that you can't keep supporting certain business practices yeah all right thank you yeah i have a question uh, hello can you hear me yeah uh, you, you said that you were going you were marketing hotstar as an edgy brand how are you doing that was it with respect to the content or i i was not marketing hotstar as an edgy brand i i'm saying that that's the essentially the brand personality overall and i say that by by virtue of the fact that they they used to conduct themselves on social when they had all these uh, sort of the brand engagements that that were happening on um, on on the channel on social platforms mm. um yeah otherwise i mean for subscription service i mean the the communication was pretty wholesome and family you watch it with your you know watch it whenever you want etc etc it's it's just about the the personality that a brand puts out on um on on their social media sort of defines who they are and at that time i i know this because i've been in the org and i and i know that they they consider themselves slightly more edgy than their competitors mm. or this taken oh okay yeah the the marketing would never be um you know the marketing would never be in uh, in a manner to sort of isolate anyone Mm. Hello. Yeah. yeah. This is I have a two part question. First question related to the OTC OTT space specifically. If you see Alt Balaji per se, right? Uh, they are focus. They are focusing on Hindi original space. Like uh, they are focusing on producing. They are fo- focusing on producing Hindi original content, right? And spe- and like the content was different. OTT platform produced. They are completely different. But ultimately, they are going for the same market uh, market capitalization market share, right? so the question is what do you think is the future for them because uh, firstly now now hotstar is also backed by disney uh, amazon and netflix they are also backed by uh, they are also so what what do you what do you think are the is the future for these palaji z5 premium vodafone play also uh, in that case so that's the first question yeah so um I think original content and OTT platforms was like the gold mine that that uh, that everybody sort of chanced upon in was like the gold rush that everybody chanced upon in 2018, and that's going to soon consolidate because um, I spoke about um, the uh, the spo- I spoke about profitability of businesses, right? Uh, content is an expensive game, so investment and purchase purchasing content is is real is really a drain on your um, on your finances. so and and you can if you don't make up that revenue somehow you aren't going to survive as a business so companies that have been running so far are backed by larger businesses so z5 is backed by zt which is a broadcast business hotstar is now backed by disney earlier it was backed by star which is again the, the richest tv business uh the smaller ones um, india currently has about 38 ott apps uh and uh, you know that long tail is going to get wiped out at some form or it's going to get consolidated mx was one such and then times bought it out and now it's you know it's it's sort of the largest uh, award player in in the space so um still there is influx of money i mean there are, there are two sides of there are two revenue streams that uh, businesses have right one is ad funded which is to say that i as an ott platform have x million users watching me every day for these many minutes so come advertise on me instead of going on to start tv or zd uh what's happening with covid is that those ad funded those uh those revenues are shrinking because businesses don't have money anymore or because they've had a very bad year uh, so most businesses are in fact pivoting to subscription 
which is to get the consumer to pay for content on a all right so uh, the sense is that subscriptions will grow if you look at the statistics numbers we are projected to have about 46 million subscriptions um there is an entire report by bcg which talks about how uh, there are going to be about 50 million subscribers uh, within the country by 2023 i think we'll we'll hit that number just way earlier we'll hit that number next year so uh, the scope of subscription and subscribers is going is will grow because people will pay for content but uh, there's the same study also says that uh, a subscriber will not pay for more than uh, you know um, two or three subscriptions so then it comes down to the average revenue per user uh, that we are talking of so when that happens you will not have uh, the larger you know you will not have this long tail of uh, businesses unless they have an in, they have a funding influx from somewhere because they'll either run out of content or they'll run out, run out of money uh and if they're not pivoting to the subscription model um you know they they can't really keep up their revenues so that's what's going to happen with them all balaji uh, because it's a production house uh, they still have the potential to sort of sell their uh, content to other players which they're doing right now they have a partnership with z5 where all of their content releases on z5 as well in addition to all balaji because z5 has a larger base so people will figure out a way to sort of uh, monetize their content uh but the platform and the uh, you know is uh, the tech investment is really heavy uh, i doubt uh, many consumer many ott platforms will live to see uh, another two audios so there will be mass consolidation i mean short answer to your question okay uh the other question what i had was related to ipl and particularly to hotstars so right uh, if you see if you go back two to three years down the line watching uh, ipl on hotstar was free but then uh, like lately last year also or last last year they were playing with the time factor of it like uh, it was 14 minutes initially you can watch 14 yeah. minutes of free content and then they uh, automatically reduced it to 7 minutes if i'm not wrong so was yeah. that a particular strategy which you used so, so that you can gain more subscribers yeah yeah absolutely so that's what it is it's um, see um I, last year um geo users could watch the ipl for free now geo users themselves like number in millions and millions which which pretty much meant that uh, a significant number of of viewers watch the ipl for free and the ipl is a very expensive property at some point people um, you know people do need to recover um, the the money's uh, sunk into the sport and which is why now it's it's moving to a, towards a subscription or behind a paywall so you can watch 5 minutes for free but if you want to watch beyond that um you have to pay for it and which is why they again i mean you know comes down to the consumer uh, offer that they have which is they have a 399 pack and they say there is ipl there is originals there's movies there's tv mm. uh, there's all of this content sitting behind the paywall and all you have to do is pay 399 rupees so that's the proposition that a hotstar is making this year to users and their um, campaign and their plan is also like to do heavy acquisition that they want to do um and and in, in a similar fashion i mean uh, the others also like a z5 and and the others also make similar plays to say that for uh, you know 99 rupees a month or for uh, 699 a year this is all that you can get uh, this is all the premium content that you can get on z5 and then of course you have the uh, you know you have all the benefits of a subscription service or of an ott the fact is that you can watch on demand you can pause you can play you can replay things like that okay uh, perfect uh, thank you so much i'd uh, one more last question so uh, for example 
whenever you uh, do some marketing campaign so do you calculate the cac cost per customer acquisition yeah your your cost of uh, acquisition is uh, uh, is i mean in a, in a digital business uh, right now is um, you know is, is the holy grail you look at the scale and you look at uh, the cps the cost per subscriber <clears throat> overall what businesses are not doing right now is looking at ltv because in subscription models and if you read uh, netflix uh, netflix uh, reports you'll see that they uh, they're very focused on ltv because uh, on, on the lifetime value of the consumer they have calculated their lifetime value of the consumer to be about 200 okay which is great because so if you spend 50 in acquiring a consumer it may sound expensive at uh, you know at first go because the a netflix subscription costs only like 15 or or 13 whatever but the lifetime value is actually much higher that's not something that the indian players are doing because it, the, the industry is still very nascent so that's where the industry is going to grow and hopefully they look at a more holistic uh, more profitable approach to their business which is to look at the cost of acquisition to the ltv versus just cost of acquisition in isolation mm. okay perfect thank you so much so so basically having a, a mindset of a researcher looking at things from an experimental perspective uh, and quickly iterating with help right yeah, yeah definitely yeah okay all right cool uh thanks a lot for uh lovely talking to you uh and we'll keep you posted about the community action sure all right thanks guys uh, thank, thank you, you.